Chen friends, I'm Major Gauravari and you're watching the Chanakya Dialogues English. Like this video, subscribe to our channel and don't forget to press the bell icon. In a recent uh, State of the Union address, Russian President Vladimir Putin has said that if NATO puts troops in Ukraine, the world is headed towards nuclear war. Now, let me tell you again what he said it, how he said it and what is the context. Now, for a very long time, uh, Russia has maintained that NATO has identified targets within Russia for attack. And the French President Emmanuel Macron has said that uh, NATO should look at putting troops in, in Ukraine. Because let me tell you very honestly what has happened. When Russia attacked Ukraine exactly two years back, nobody expected this war to happen. Nobody expected Russia to cross the border. Russia did. And then all of the people, including myself, we were very sure that this war would finish in, in week 10 days. It's been dragging on for, for two years now. Uh, Zelensky is absolutely in a state of panic because the Americans, you know, it's very usual for the Americans. They'll set you up for something and then they'll pull their hands back and they'll say, we can't help you. This is exactly what the Americans are doing. So that $60 billion promised to Ukraine has not reached Ukraine because they're still trying to fight between the Republicans and the Democrats. And, uh, you know, President Biden is saying we need to give them that money. And the Republicans are saying, why in God's name do you need to give some other country uh, money to fight a war? I mean, how are you concerned about what happens to Ukraine? Uh, you see, the Republicans have a point here. America can take responsibility for NATO because that is the NATO charter, right? If one country is attacked, it, it would be, uh, it would be uh, you know, thought that every other country in the NATO uh, group is attacked and then they would go after their foe, etc., their enemy, etc. But this is not the case with Ukraine. But America, here is America giving hundreds of billions of dollars. Here is Europe giving hundreds of billions of euros and, and, and pounds, as far as the British are concerned. They're giving euros and pounds to Ukraine to fight a war, but nobody's putting troops on the ground. But here is an insinuation that comes from Russia, and this is actually not an insinuation. It is the truth, actually, what the Russians are saying, because there was definite proof of SAS. There was definite proof. I covered it a long time back in the Chanakya Dialogues. There's definite proof of SAS operating in Ukraine. Let me explain why I'm saying this. And it's very logical, right? America gives advanced weapons to Ukraine. Let's take the example of the Javelin anti-tank missiles, okay? America gives Javelin anti-tank missiles. Now, these guys were using RPGs first, the Ukrainians, because the Russian bloc used RPGs. They were using RPGs. The RPG is a dead weapon. I mean, against a tank, against a modern tank, the RPG is not very good against a modern tank, not very effective. RPG is great against soft-skinned vehicles. It's great against personnel or, or, or a car or a truck. But against a full-fledged 50-60 ton tank, not so much. And that is what they were using because it was part of Russia. And these are legacy weapons that Ukraine has. Suddenly, Ukraine gets uh, Javelin anti-tank missiles. Now, this is state-of-the-art American stuff. So the missile does not go line of sight. The missile actually goes up and then it attacks the tank from top. So it's like a 90-degree drop because the top of the tank, you know, the shell, the top of a tank is the softest part. The hull is the uh, strongest. You know, there is tons of, tons of armor in the hull. But the top of the tank, the shell of the tank, it does not have any reactive armor. It does not have a thick, uh, you know, armor plating. It's very basic. And this is the weakness, this is the chink in the armor that the javelin, uh, you know, takes advantage of. 
Now, I'm surprised. America gives X number of javelins to Ukrainians and within three days, the Ukrainians are able to use it very effectively against the Russians. Who is teaching the Ukrainians? Who is advising the Ukrainians? How do you... I don't understand. This entire uh, thing about identifying and engaging with a target. So you say that uh, locate, engage and destroy. Right? LED. Locate, engage and... So you locate a target. How do they engage the target? How have they learnt in three days to use an advanced weapon system like the javelin? I have not understood. It takes months and months of practice to become an expert. It takes a long time in the simulators, then at the firing range, then you physically fire a missile and then you hit the target and then, you know, they say, that, okay, now you can use that missile. And it takes much more to become a trainer, much, much more. To become an instructor of that, it takes so much more. I mean, in a class of 40, 50 people, I have one or two instructors maximum. Who will get that sort of grading, who will go on to teach that weapon system now. In two days, the Ukrainians are able to use the latest artillery pieces that the Americans or the Western allies have given and they are using it against the Russians. How? How, how can you use a weapon system that is just offloaded from the ship or offloaded from an aircraft and you get it and you start using it? I, I fail to understand. And herein lies the fact. There are special forces of the US, of UK, who are operating along with the Ukrainians and advising them as to how to use these weapons. I'm not saying they're physically fighting. And special forces need not physically fight. My friends, there is a unit in, in the United States of America called Green Berets. This is exactly what Green Berets do. Guerrilla warfare, going behind enemy lines, training rebels. They speak different languages. So there are different kinds of special forces, like SEALs have one job, Delta has one job, Army Special Forces or Delta. They have another job, right? And then you have these green berries. This a totally different kind of role. And there are Western special forces who are working along with the Ukrainian army. Otherwise, Russia would have smashed them long time back. Now, in an interview to RT, you know, Dmitry Birchevsky, the head of the Russian delegation. So, there's a delegation and he's, he's saying for Russia, Ukraine is not about territory or geopolitics. He's telling you the Russian perspective. It's not about territory. It's not about geopolitics. Ukraine is a matter of life and death. It's about being able to live as we did for ages, as one family with the same core values that are not for foreign intruders to destroy. What does this tell you? You have, you have a Russian diplomat who's saying this. What does this tell you? He's saying that this is not about geopolitics, right? He's saying this is not about territory. This is a matter of life and death. So, essentially what he's trying to say is the same thing that, you know, we discussed two, three days back on this very platform. And what we discussed was that Putin is trying to make Russia into USSR all over again. And there are points later on in this research paper, very well compiled by the way, uh, you know, in which I, I will tell you what Russia is exactly planning to do now. Say... It says RT News, 29th of February. Yesterday's news, by the way. Today is 1st of March, 29th of February, 2024. The outlet RTVI asked Vladimir Putin's press secretary, Dmitry Peskov. He's press secretary to Putin to comment on a report from the Times which claimed that Admiral Tony Radikin, the head of the UK armed forces, has helped make battle plans for Ukraine. So Dmitry Peskov said that in general, it's no secret that British really provide different forms of support to Ukraine, people on the ground and intelligence, so on and so forth. That is, they are actually directly involved in the conflict. Now you understand this. 
Russia believes and Russia has every reason to believe that UK is also taking part in the conflict, not merely financing, training and directing the conflict. They're actually taking, what Russia is saying is, this Dmitry Peskov is saying that they're, the, the, the uh, English, the British are directly taking part in the conflict. They're actually pulling triggers there. This is what he's saying. And uh, there's another, you see, all this is very interesting the way it's happening here. So there is another country called Moldova. This has asked Putin to protect their region from what they claim are threats from Moldova's government. So there is a pro-Russian uh, separatist movement in Moldova. Pro-Russian separatist movements also were present in and also are present in Ukraine. So all these places, all these places, you know, Mother Russia, all these places which were part of the Soviet Union previously have these kind of separatist movements and this is how Moscow controls all these countries. There are constant and consistent attacks, separatist movements to weaken these countries and in Moldova, they are saying that please help us, please protect us. They have asked, the separatist movement has asked Russia to protect them and Transnistria, which is illegally spread from Moldova as the Soviet Union crumbled, has remained firmly within the Kremlin's orbit while Moldova, which borders Ukraine, is bidding to join the European Union. Now, uh, you see, what is happening is that, will Russia invade Moldova? Two years back when people asked me, will Russia invade Ukraine, I said, no. It was a very emphatic no from my side. Emphatic no, no. Russia will not invade Ukraine. That's what I said on television. That's what so many of my seniors said. You know, so many generals said, no, it's very unlikely, very unlikely. But Russia attacked. Now, if you ask me, will Russia attack Moldova? Now, I would say yes. It's very likely. I'm not saying 100%, but I'm saying it's extremely likely that Russia will, Russia will find an excuse. That is how Russia rolled into Afghanistan also. Though Afghanistan was never part of USSR, but there were two parties in Afghanistan, the Khalq and the Parcham parties, both of them. And they were communist parties and they were supported by the USSR. And when they fell into trouble, they asked for help. The Russian tanks crossed the Amur River. And they entered into Afghanistan for 10 years. Will the Russian tanks roll into Moldova? Very, very likely. And uh, in a special congress on Wednesday, politicians in Transnistria asked Moscow to guard it from increasing pre pressure from Moldova. And Kremlin later said protecting its compatriots was a priority. There you go. So ladies and gentlemen, this is what it is. So this breakaway faction of Moldova actually says to Moscow that, hey, we need your help. And Russia says you are compatriots. We are from the same nation. And Russia is the mother. And we'll be there to help you. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if Russian tanks roll into Moldova next. It's all happening and it's all happening in our lifetimes, ladies and gentlemen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for the question and answers, we have uh, Ajay Chidambaram. Jain Major Sir, Jain Ajay Ji, I repeatedly see news of Pakistan raise the issue of Kashmir and UN and we give a standard reply based on terrorism. Where does our government not raise the issue of Balochistan on the same platform? Is there any diplomatic reasons? No, there is no reason. There is no reason. We raise, we just respond to, we don't want to give Pakistan any importance. Pakistan uses India to mainstream itself. Pakistan is a terrorist country. Nobody likes Pakistan. Everybody hates Pakistan. Even the Chinese hate Pakistan. The Muslim countries hate Pakistan. For China, Pakistan is a bone stuck in their throat. They don't know whether to spit it out or swallow it. Right? We don't want to engage with Pakistan at all. You know, they mention something, we respond to it because you have a right to respond and that's about it. There is nothing else to it. 
India does not even like taking the name of Pakistan. We don't start conversations about Pakistan. It is just Pakistan who wants to feel important. It wants to feel relevant in this world because the world has declared Pakistan irrelevant. So Pakistan keeps on yapping and yapping. There is, there is no importance. Let's not attach any importance to Pakistan. Ashwin. It's a jolly big name, but I'll go with Ashwin. Hello, Major G. I'm Ashwin. Hello, Ashwin G. You must have seen recent ISRO ad the DMK is circulating the Chinese rockets and technology behind Tamil Nadu CM and India PM Modi ji. I'm not asking at political angle, but do you think political parties have Chinese funding? No. I, I don't think they have Chinese funding because if you were to say that these parties like DMK have, if, if you're saying they have Chinese funding, then that's a very, very big insinuation. You, you, you are insinuating something which is very drastic. You're saying that China actually funds Indian political parties. I don't think that is the case because I have no proof. And I don't want to make any unsubstantiated statement on my show here. So I will not say any political party XYZ is funded by China. Why they have done this is very wrong. It's condemnable. They should officially apologize. But beyond that, you know, are they being funded by China? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not willing to make that statement. It's a very big statement to make. And these statements must be made with a lot of responsibility. I have no proof. So I will not make such a statement. Thank you for watching this video, ladies and gentlemen. If you like this video, press the like button, subscribe to our channel. Don't forget to press the bell icon. Jai Hind, Vande Matram, Bharat Mata Ki Jai.